Welcome to this week's episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today, uh, we have Ross Dellinger, writer for Sports Illustrated, uh, one of the best writers out there. Just really like the way he tells it like it is. Uh, he keeps, he's almost a old school journalist in a new body. Uh, one of the young guys tells things like it is, is very fair, uh, but he has been all over the NIL and NCAA rule changes. And a guy, and I, and I tell him this when you listen, but I'm not a guy that really likes to read a ton of articles, but I will read his stuff every day. Um, it's something that's just uh, reminds me of the past. So if you're anybody 40 or older, you're really going to love this because he is a journalist that tells it like it is. So I know you guys will enjoy that. We discussed the Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher saga, um, all of the NIL stuff, recruiting, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in college football today, scholarship limitations, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, if you're a junkie of recruiting, this is definitely going to be your episode. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. Joined by my man, Ross Dellinger, college football writer for Sports Illustrated and NIL expert now. What do you think about that? Can you get that title? <laughs> uh, sure. It, uh, it's kind of enveloped my life, certainly the last few months, but but really going back to almost three years now. So, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's uh, that's my brand now, NIL, man. I mean, I told I, I, my wife knows this. She actually laughed at me. This ha- actually happened over the weekend. I was reading one of your articles. And she goes, what are you reading? Because I hate reading. I don't, I don't like reading articles or anything else, but I read you. So that's a compliment to you. I you didn't realize it, <laughs> is that if I read it, that means I don't read anything. So I, I really enjoy yeah. – uh, Really, the in depth you actually, um, I guess, what I appreciate about you is that you're you're almost like an old school journalist a little bit, where you're also you're well sourced. You you tell it like it is, um, and with no agendas, uh, which a lot of the guys have, and it's it's much appreciated on the on the uh, inside of the athletic department. Just so you know, uh, I appreciate it. I um, I, I do. I try to be as you know as fair and as as balanced as I can. Um, I think we have too much. Uh, too much partiality in the world already, right? So I'm, I'm not trying to pick a side. <laughs> there you <laughs> I'm trying go. to stay down the middle. Stay in the middle. That's right. All right, speaking of picking sides, okay, so we're going to just jump right into it. Um, I have I have to warn the, the audience that I have already had a monster today, so I'm going to be juiced up already. Um, I'm in the middle of number two right here. Yeah. Okay, in the middle of number two, but – Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, the gift that keeps on giving, um, it just kind of hit, kind of really took over. Was that Thursday? I don't even know now. Thursday mm-hmm. uh, kind of yep. takes over um, the world. And I have received 8,476 text messages, um, lots of tweets. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? So I'm going to let you start off here. Let's talk a little bit about Jimbo and Nick and get your opinion on the entire saga. Yeah, it um you know it uh, I kept reading uh Nick Saban's comments about NIL starting, you know, late in the fall and every time he would talk, it would get more and more aggressive and it was almost like a volcano and it would just like the first time was a little bubble of lava and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he met with like the AP, I believe, met with him back in March and it was like, "Oh man, you know, you the ground's starting to shake." And then boom eruption at an event in uh birmingham where he was basically trying to raise money it's 
you know, well, among business people. And that, and that's how yes. and it's what, right. That's what people probably missed during the whole thing. And I think, and I'm just going to assume this, I think that's probably what he was calling to tell Jimbo and Dion when they didn't answer his call was, Hey, look, I'm just using you guys to try to raise money to try to get into people's mind. This is real. We got to do it or we're going to fall behind. And it, it actually, some of the things I talked to several coaches about one there where you live in Oxford, like he's, he's Lane is trying to get people to get boosters on board. Like this is real and going to happen. And so I think that, you know, you saw this eruption partly because of the frustration in Saban and maybe the frustration, not in the, the landscape of what's happening, but the frustration with, his own group of boosters and donors and business people trying to get them on board. And that's what it was for me. I think that's what it really boiled down to. Um, then, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo is Jimbo, right? He's, he's, that's him. He's going to call a press conference, get everybody together and talk kid mouth per hour. And that's that, you know, and, and that's what he did. Yeah. All right. So here was, I'm hundred percent on board with you, what you're saying. Um, and I haven't heard anybody really say anything about this in public because it was everybody wanted to, you know, anybody that ever has a chance to jump on Nick, they're going to jump on and pile on while they can. Right. So it's like, you know, he's been, they've been hammering his ass for like the last week because they I feel like they can, but Nick was at an event trying to raise, like Nick doesn't like NIL. Matter of fact, if you poll the coaches, which I'm sure you have and correct me if I'm wrong here, please, there's not, but about a handful of them that really like what's going on with NIL and the people who like what's going on with NIL have a bunch of money. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the ones that don't have the money, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So he's, but Nick is going to adapt. People are very like, think that Alabama's going away or this or that. You're sadly mistaken here. Nick will adapt. And so he's at an event that he's trying to raise money. Because trust me, Nick doesn't want to be speaking to people at Wednesday night in Birmingham in the middle of in the middle of May. That's not his. <laughs> right. That's not his cup of tea. He much had rather been on the golf course Wednesday afternoon. I promise you. Okay, so anyway, he's he's using A and M and what Jackson State was doing as an example to try to motivate the people in the room that hey, look, this is what these guys are doing, and you see what they're doing. So hey, we got to we got to come in and and do this. And I will tell you this from the inside, my telltale sign was. Nick knew that they finished second recruiting to Texas A&M, according to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you probably know this, but I don't know if the fans realize this. Nick Saban could care less about damn recruiting rankings. Could care less. I mean, legitly could care less about rankings. Hell, he doesn't even, like, the whole time I was with him, he didn't even know what they were. He didn't mm-hmm. know who was ranked a five-star or whatever, all that stuff. He really had no idea. And that's mm-hmm. the honest and goodness truth. So for him to say that, he was trying to use that to motivate those people inside the room. Right. Right. So, and I think that's, that's what it really boils down to. And that's, I assume that's probably what he was calling to tell them that is, and I think, and I say that because I think it was Dion who came out in a, in a uh, podcast or something in, in uh, an interview he did after the fact and basically said, we know what he was doing. You know, he was, he was trying to uh, rile up his boosters and, and trying to get donations. And a lot of people are doing exactly what a lot of coaches are doing exactly what Nick is trying to do. And you nailed it, right? The the people who are most upset about this are the schools that either um, don't have the, the donor base um, to, to do it, to really get in the game seriously, or have the donor base, but they won't do it. Right. And, right. Um, and they're trying to get them to do it. And 
So yeah, if you if you don't do it, um, you're you're going to fall behind. And I think Nick was trying to yeah, get that through to his boosters, like a lot of coaches are trying to do. They're they're trying to get uh, through to the boosters. Um, this is you know this is a real thing, and if we don't do it, we're going to fall fall behind. And you know Alabama, they they probably have you know the the resources enough to get in the game, of course. Uh, I don't know, and they will tell you. People around Alabama will tell you they don't have the resources that Texas A&M or Texas have, Nobody but few does. do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, few do. I mean, uh, just look at. I was on the phone with an AD in the SEC and trying to explain to the AD um, the the resources that Texas in A&M have. And I did the kind of crunch some numbers in a big NIL. It was in you know, our big NIL story we ran about three weeks ago. But if you combine Texas in A&M combine their donations to the athletic department from 2019. So a year before the pandemic is the year that I took it's, it's an absurd number. It's like $110 million. It's like 60 from A&M or 60 from Texas and then like 50 from A&M. And so if you combine those two in a 16 team SEC, their, their combination of donations makes up like one-fifth of all the donations in the SEC in that 2019 year. So it is, they have a lot of money, a lot more money than everybody else. And it's easier for boosters to funnel some of that money from facilities and whatever to the athletic department to to players or funnel extra money, new money to players uh, into the NIL salary pool that's starting. So those, a lot of schools just don't have that. I don't think Alabama, you know, has that money, but Nick is certainly trying to get boosters to um, to dig into their pockets a little more and, and get that money. Yeah, and here here's the thing. It's like, and this is what I've been, because I, I understand it a little bit more than I guess the average fan, obviously, but you take places like, does Alabama have the boosters to, to support? Absolutely. Okay, everybody's like, well, look, we can take Texas and Texas A&M and you can throw them away because nobody's ever going to be able to compete with that kind of money because they got the oil money, right? That, that's what they're dealing with. But these other schools that are being a little slower, they kind of understand, like Nick. Nick knows that there's no booster going to tell him who he's playing. That's not going – I mean, the day that happens, Nick will retire. He'll, he'll yeah. just shoot the deuce and be like, guys, I'm done. All right, but at the same time, he doesn't want to go f- use a bullet on a kid, you know, paying $10 million for a quarterback, and then all of a sudden the kid doesn't play – then you've lost that money because they don't have as many people that have mm-hmm. that kind of money, but they do have some. I know them. I know who they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. All right, that have more money. I mean, they got a John Ruiz if he wanted to go, and, and they, they have people like that at Alabama too that have plenty of money. Okay, because we've used their planes. I've actually had this one of them that's got like diamond mines and coal mines. I, I you know, in Birmingham that had enough money to buy a strip of land from his golf course to Vestavia so his kids could go to school there, okay? They got they got enough they got guys that have money that can do that, right? Um, but he just doesn't want to burn those bullets. And then when it comes and I and I'll wrap this part up on, on the Jimbo deal is like Jimbo wasn't lying. Okay? And everybody gets mad at Jimbo and mad at what A&M was doing. They they're it's legal. They're doing what yep. they're allowed to do. There's he's not doing anything illegal and I think he kind of he's he's fed up with everybody you know, to claiming that the only reason that they're, you know, doing what they're doing is because of money. I think that pisses him off, and he's he's legitly tired of it. And I think he saw that real quickly 
um, as a shot. And it's, you know, he did the same thing after signing day. You know, I think with Lane's comments that kind of spurred yeah. him. And you know, um, but the people, but what is he doing? Let, let's be honest. What's he doing wrong? Yeah, no, I mean, right. He's uh, and this is where state law comes in. Nil state law. I mean, he's he's following following. They're following the law, right? They've they've got. I think the big thing when you hear coaches say, um, "Oh, you know, they're they're cheating, or they're cheating around NIL, they're cheating with NIL," or well, the big thing is, um, is it an inducement? And I, it, you know, I actually ran a story today, and I mean, we were talking about this on Monday, and we ran a story, dropped a story this morning on Monday morning about about the enforcement and what's happening right now, and even if. Schools are using NIL for inducements, which of course they are, right? I mean, of course they are, but but it, there it's not. If you if you can't if the the contract is signed after the kid you know signs or commits and it doesn't connect him to the school, which all these contracts they don't because these are done by savvy businessmen, right? Um, if, if that doesn't happen, you're not breaking any rules. Um, if there's not documentation, the NC is going to have a hard time trying to prove prove that something in inducement they will in my opinion they've been ever since last summer they're doing everything they can to avoid the courtroom everything they can yeah. to avoid the courtroom and now they're dealing with people that's going to sue their ass back and then have deep pockets like yeah. you think John Ruiz if they, like John Ruiz don't be hey don't sleep on my guy John Ruiz down there at Miami going and, and signing all these long snappers from all over the country. He knows what yeah, he's doing. Yeah. Yes. He, he's, yes. He's going so far ahead of y'all. Like he's playing chess and everybody else is playing mm-hmm. checkers. Mm-hmm. Okay. That you don't become, you know, you and I were talking privately a couple of weeks ago and I was like, look, you don't make that kind of money in life by being a dumbass. You yeah. don't luck into it. And I mean, he's a very intelligent, savvy, like you just said, savvy business guy. And he's going and signing long snappers. Well, hey, look, why? But here's the other thing: like he's signing specialists and long snappers. Why? Because he can go give them, give them five bucks, man, and they'll be happy as hell. And then he can go give the real money to his players at Miami. I mean, he, yep. he's not going and, and taking care of quarterbacks other places. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and so, he and he can now say, you know, the NCAA comes in or something. He can now say, see, I'm I'm giving NIL deals to everybody. everybody. You yeah. know, so. It, it is. It's smart. And these, there's a lot of people like him out there, right? You know, Florida has one. A&M has several. Um, Tennessee has several. You know, big, smart businessmen. A lot of them are attorneys themselves. They're <laughs> going to write these contracts uh, craftily in, in yeah. where they don't get caught for for inducing prospects. And, and that's um, it's going to be hard for the NCAA to prove that. And it, it's like Ruiz, you know, he strikes me as somebody who's like, you know, come on, like, come at me, you know, and I'm oh, going to yeah. take him. Yeah, I mean, he's ready to, it's almost like he's ready to, to take down the NCAA. Yeah. And here's the thing. And everybody wants to talk about, you know, booster involvement and tampering and coaches involvement with the collectives and things like that. And I'm sitting here going, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. By, Let's just every school, and just so everybody knows this, I always said you got to be very careful. And this was the thing about the the Nick and Jimbo thing that I'm like, listen, guys, everybody has enough dirt on everyone to hit the nuclear button and wipe this sport off the planet. Okay, I got enough dirt. There, there's so I mean, Nick's got enough dirt on everybody. Jimbo's, if you coach in this league at all or work in this league in any capacity, I would say ninety percent of the people have enough dirt to 
make a stink. Okay. And I'm not saying that, you know, and it's sometimes it's not even facts, but it's enough smoke where there's fire. And it's, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, in recruiting, you'll be recruiting a guy and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, this, this recruit costs X amount of dollars and you don't get him and he goes to school, he goes to this other school. Well, he, well, you knew what his price tag was. So right. he went to the other school. And so you can put two and two together. Didn't say that they paid him or whatever. And then coaches in general by nature, and then especially where I've been in my career, it's like if if you ever beat somebody on a kid, it's all oh, y'all cheated. That's how everybody yep. wants to say you cheat. That's everybody right. wants to throw out that that deal you cheated. But going back to the collectives, every school that has a collective, if your school has a collective, you are cheating. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Who do you think's telling that collective who to pay? Yeah. Somebody yeah. in the room, mm-hmm. somebody in the yeah. building is instructing, yeah. may not be the head coach. It's plausible deniability. Head coaches aren't going to talk to collectives. There's somebody in your building that goes yeah. and tells the collective that we want this guy. They don't just go and start recruiting on their own. Right, right. right? And I'll, I'll go back to that story I referenced from a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, these boosters, look, they don't give – they don't give two you know what's about you can say it. saying it's, it's, whatever. We're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> two shits, right? They don't they don't give it they don't they don't care. Um and so I was on the phone with um uh I think it's Hugh Hathcock. He's the University of Florida big donor who started their kind of million dollar collective and uh I'm, I I'm I'm, know, I'm aware of who he is. Yeah. I He's been in NIL questions. a lot longer than just the last couple of years, <laughs> but go ahead. I'm highly Not aware. Uh, I I'm asked highly him aware. about you know, just different questions. And he said, I'm reading from it now. He said, uh, we'll listen to what the coaches tell us to do. I just raise the money for them to use. <laughs> he said it on the record. I mean, he said it. I mean, that is just about as blatant as it gets, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't care. Um, they they don't care. Nobody is afraid anymore. They're not afraid of the NCAA anymore enforcement. They're not even afraid of their own state if they violate their own state NIL laws, which most of them say there can't be inducements. Um, but they don't even they don't care because what state attorney general's office is going to punish their own state institution and disadvantage them? It doesn't it doesn't make right. any sense. So there's no enforcement at all. So they don't care. Which brings me to the next topic, and then well, something I want to talk to you about is look right now. We can talk about, you know, and I I will talk about the other part in a minute, but we can talk about this to we're blue in the face about, but just what you just said with the state, your state laws, your, your state is not, is not going to put these state institutions in a disadvantage. And so you're just going to keep having these states trying to one up each other and make their NIL rules as easy as they can to help their state institutions. Because a lot of times the people that are making the laws are boosters or alumni of a university themselves. Okay. So in their state. And so yeah. until we have federal legislation, which is, you know, I'd probably say with midterm elections coming up, we're probably at least a year away from that. Do you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, um, certainly not going to happen uh, anytime before this November? year before before November. Right. And in, in you know, November is uh, going to be a big deal for college athletics, um, you know, and NIL in a future federal uh, some kind of federal legislation. I think people privately in, in college sports would tell you that um, the Republicans taking over 
the Senate retaking, potentially retaking the Senate is something that would make it easier um, for NIL to pass. I don't think it's going to be easy at all either way, but but I think it, it would make it easy. They will tell you that it would make it easier to have a Republican committee chair because the Republicans want a, a narrow NIL bill. They just, just want NIL covered. The Democrats want a broad NIL bill with revenue sharing, health care, a lot of things that probably are, it's going to be tougher to get through. Um, so that's why they'll say, hey, these elections are critical for college sports and getting a federal NIL bill as quickly as we can. Um, but either way, it's, it's going to be hard, even even after the elections, even if it's a Republican chair uh, in Republican Senate, it's, it's still going to be difficult to get passed. Do you find it, because I, I find this terrible, maybe I'm the only one that thinks like this, I find this terribly interesting that, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Sankey and the, I don't remember, it was a Pac-12 commissioner, went to uh, D.C. to meet with senators and congresspeople to uh, talk about NIL legislation and try to get something done. Do you know whose name never comes up in those conversations? Hmm. Why does Tommy Tuberville's name never come up in those <laughs> conversations? Why isn't he meeting? I mean, the guy was a football coach in the Southeastern Football Conference. Like him and Sankey know each other. He is a sitting. <laughs> he's a sitting. Was he a congressman? I guess. What is he? Senator. Know, is he a senator? senator. He's a yeah. sitting senator, and a former football coach. Oh, and from the Big Twelve, SEC, I guess the American, whatever. All these leagues. And he never comes up in these conversations. Why would? Why in the hell would he not? Yeah. Well, so that's a great point. And um, he's been a little quieter about it, right? Yeah. Uh, a he lot has. Of, I, I a think lot more privately. Than I yeah, I think privately he's been a little more talkative to people. In fact, there was some NIL folks that came up here in. It was over the winter, December, January. And I went to have dinner with them, and they mentioned that they had met with Senator Tuberville like the night before. Yeah. So I think he's meeting with people. It sounds like uh, he's trying to work things. It sounds like behind the scenes, but he's good at that um, too. Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. So I, I think he is involved. I just, yeah, he has not been as as public as as some others. Um, so it, it should be interesting. But I think as this goes, he might be more public, but Again, um, it, this leads us to the Republican-Democrat thing, right? Um, there's a lot of Republicans that um, they're not going to want a broad bill that encompasses all this other stuff like revenue sharing and long-term health care and such like that. They're going to want a narrow NIL bill. And um, I think a lot of them are almost afraid to speak out uh, because they so sound like they might be a anti-athlete pay or whatnot, which when he he probably would talk about it with a little truth serum, Tommy Tuberville, I would think, would would tell you that he probably likes college football the way it was a year ago or more, uh, where it was an amateur sport. So there's that too. All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm I can't sit here. I, I'm all for the, the kids getting paid. I really am. All right, I think they should get paid. I think it's a great thing. I don't argue with that. It's just it's gotten so out of hand so fast. But at the same time, that's what happens when you don't have a plan. Okay, the yeah. it feels like we were ready, fire, aim, you know, this whole deal and, and just didn't think things through. So that's about par for the course. But I guess it, at the same time, and, I, and you and I talked about this probably, I won't bring this up. So, you know, I've always said that 
I don't think you can fix NIL until there's some kind of federal, and I don't think it's going away. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be there. There could be some limits, but short of federal um, federal legislation allowing basically the schools to pay the kids, all right, there's not going to and putting everybody on the same rules. And, and going back to the Jimbo Nick's, Nick thing, that's what they want. They just want everybody on the same rules, whatever that is. The transfer portal, and you and I, and I, and and everybody, I've always said if you can go back. In the meantime, while we're waiting on this federal legislation that will or will not come, go back and take away the one-time transfer rule. I've been yeah. told, not by just you, you did tell me this, and I'll say you say you can't do that, that toothpaste is out of the tube. That's what you were telling me. And you're not the only one that's told me that. Several people say, oh, you're not going to be able to go back and fix that. My question is, why not, though? It's not federal legislation. There's no deal on it. Why couldn't they go back and say, take away the one-time transfer rule to try to get some curb on the tampering, curb on the recruiting part, getting the kids back to picking schools for what they're for. Yeah. Why couldn't they do that? Yeah, well, that would – so let's go back to what happened um, last summer. Uh, right. The Alston case, the Supreme right. Court case where the NCAA lost 9 nothing, and just got buried um, by, a, by a conservative-leaning court, uh, just got buried. And – so I, what the bottom line of the Austin ruling was, from the way I understand it, because I'm definitely not a lawyer, but I've talked to enough to understand that. <laughs> that you stay uh, in the Holiday Inn Express last night? Yeah. yeah. You, you can't limit or restrict athletes, plain and simple. And so one of the things to appease the court, the NCAA did, and I assume it was partially to appease the court, was before the Supreme Court ruling came out, they lifted the one-time transfer, or they lifted the transfer you know, made, made transfers immediately eligible in I, one time, at least in their career. Um, I well, that's think what I'm saying. They're still that, limiting you know, them by saying you only get one time if they were, they saying, are, which you which see what I'm I'll saying, get, which I'll get to in a minute. So I think if you, it's hard to go back, right? It's hard to go back. So if you go back, you are opening up yourself to all kind of lawsuits. There will be a class action almost immediately, saying they're, you know, limiting, restricting athletes going back to the Austin case. Like it'll be in immediate, like to me, that's not happening. There's just no shot. What's going to happen is it's going to go forward. It's going to eventually be not instead of one time transfer, it's going to eventually be unlimited time transfer. That's, that is where we're heading is unlimited time transfer. Cause you're going to have players who are going to be denied by a waiver after they transferred the first time they're going to sue. And you're, and they're probably going to win in court. Like I think a lot of people would say they would win in court based on the Supreme Court ruling. So, and Todd Berry from the AFC has said this multiple times. He is telling his coaches, guys, just take it from me. It's going to be a one. Eventually, it's going to be a unlimited time transfer. So we're going to he- we're probably heading in the other direction. You're 100 percent accurate. We're going to talk about this because I was literally getting to this. We're going to talk about this. When we talk about it uh, doing away with the 25 and going straight to 85 because. Coaches are going to start cutting kids. If they can get 85, it just get to 85. They're going to cut kids that can't play. And so they're going to take a transfer guy that can't play, and then they're going to cut him. So the kids are used as one-time transfer. He's going to yeah. file an appeal. Here we go. And as soon as it gets granted the first time, kid's going to lawyer up, and here we go. And it's the same. It's going to continue the cycle. That's why, <laughs> that's why I was saying, I mean, you're going to fight litigation regardless one way or another, right? Yeah. We're going – the NCAA is going to court. It's just a matter of what they're going to court on. That's why I said 
it's a lot easier to fight that because there are no state laws on that. You're going to fight 50 different lawsuits if you go try to do NIL legislation with the NCAA. Right. So might as well go fight one. You know, and well, so that that's yeah. the whole deal with the, the transfer portal thing. And, and I don't it, it's not going to stop NIL. It's just going to eliminate some things. Um, I get a kick out of this. We were talking about this morning. We had our staff meeting this morning. We we're getting ready to roll. And I was joking. Have you, you know, have you noticed all these like uh, everybody's releasing their top fives and their top eights and their top twelves? Mm-hmm. It drives me nuts. But it's like a who's every one of these kids that post their their um, their top fives or so let's say it's like a who's who of NIL. Okay, it's like releasing my top five today. It's Texas. It's Texas A and M. It's Tennessee. It's Oregon. And then on the side it'll be like Nebraska. So you really want to go to Nebraska, but you just you're you're that's where the kid really wants to go. They'll put the school that they really want to go. The one that just doesn't stand out is usually the place yeah. where they really want to go. And then yeah. the other ones are NILs of NILs. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I I, I think um, Miami's in a lot of top fives right now. It's yeah, amazing. That, that's right, aren't they? Uh, they are. Um, you know what? I think me and you have talked to, talked about this when I was visiting. Um, when you look at the the yeah, the, the the rankings. Let's just go from you. You talking about player like ranking stuff, but I wanted to go talk about the collective rankings. And have you seen <laughs> this? And they're coming out now with collective rankings. You told me about and, it. And I still hang on. Yeah, to, to and like eight it. of the top ten all fall into the same category. These are teams that have either never won uh, consistently, or they're like ten to twenty years removed from winning, from having consistent winning and championships. They are kind of desperate teams with a lot of resources and highly fas- motivated, passionate, passionate, yeah, passionate big boosters who, man, see the opportunity we can get back in Texas, A and M, Tennessee, Miami, Nebraska, USC. Um, they're all, they're all kind of in the same grouping, right? They are kind of desperate to get back to that level of winning. Florida, um, they're they're all right there that have not won consistently in 10 plus years or ever and want to get there and have the resources to do it. And that's, what's fascinating. And all those teams that get back to your question, you can find a lot of those teams in a lot of top fives and top tens from players, right? (laughs) They're all right there and they're all right there for a reason. And Lane Kiffin, I mentioned this before we went on, but I sat down with him uh, last week and he just, you know, he said flatly, you know, at the elite level, the four and five stars, maybe even the three stars, a hundred percent of them are making their decision based on the highest bidder. He said, "I mean, plain and simple, it's not any it's longer hundred percent accurate. It's not conference. It's not coaches. It's not the beautiful campus or the city. I mean, some of these kids. Now he says, he said he had two instances of this. One instance was a kid had never visited the campus of the school he signed with. He just took to the highest bidder, and he said another kid never talked." to the head coach of the of the school he signed with it's hard to believe but he said it's true and he said it's happening a lot um and they're just going to the highest bidder i mean that's not that's a hundred percent accurate i know for a hundred percent fact that's happening so he's not i mean that's that's true what he's saying is absolutely true and it's just what i mean what (laughs) what are we doing i mean i don't know but that's the whole point that right there is what i'm talking about with a one-time transfer and I was telling Neil on his show a couple of weeks ago, 
the kids are doing this. They're going, okay, who's the highest bidder? Okay, this is how much money you have. Now, I really like this school over here. This is really where I would want to go. Mm -hmm. They just don't have the funds. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go here and I'm going to get paid. And if it doesn't work out, work out, then I'm going to go to the school I really want to go to. And, and, and there, it's like I was joking. It's like kind of having like the cute girl scenario, right? It's like, you know, it's like getting a hall pass from your wife or something. It's like, hey, there's this really hot chick right here. And if she's she's really crazy and I'm going to go have some fun with her until she drives me crazy, then I'm going to go hang out with the cute girl like when you're in high school or something. It, it's insane what, <laughs> what we're doing um, to this game. I don't know, man, but. It, it's, but he's 100% right. That's happening. I yeah. know for a fact it's happening. Um, it's very disturbing uh, that – and then it's just a matter of time. I'm surprised we haven't had a story yet. So some kid gets hammered with taxes uh, from these NIL deals. I'm kind of waiting for that shoe to fall. So that will be the next story that happens. All right, here's a question for you. What school is way behind in NIL that surprised you? That you thought I was like when you when all this stuff came out, you're like, oh, they're going to be on top of it, and they're way behind. LSU, um, LSU, ha, you know, have the they have the resources. I think they have the booster groups. Um, they don't have again. They don't have what Texas and and A and M has, but but nobody does. But they have enough to get together. They have enough passionate boosters, and they they have read their state law pretty conservatively. Um, and it's changing, and it might change or have changed this week. You know, by the time this publishes, and it, 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 it will say it will be amended to say schools basically schools can have involvement. You see the the laws changing in Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi. Uh, they all change to basically say schools can have more involvement. Uh, you'll see uh, Louisiana is doing the same. In that, Louisiana LSU people say is what stopped them from starting basically a collective. So they've read it really conservatively. That it stopped them, you know, from from forming a collective, but they are way behind. They are, and we wrote in that that big NIL story a few weeks ago about Gordon McKernan. He's a lawyer in Baton Rouge, in uh, LSU grad, grad, and all that, and, and big alum, and and he is the only one basically, you know, participating in NIL with the team um, because they don't have a collective. So that's one that's really far behind. I think early on. Uh, Alabama was was far behind, or certainly behind A and M more than they wanted to be uh, behind some others. Um, I think that, that was a so product yeah. too. Alabama was probably a product of, uh, you know, quarterbacks are going to get all the money anyway. Um, besides, of, I mean, for the majority, you know, the other ones are still getting mm -hmm. money, but um, big money. And Bryce already having his own deals and, and not feeling the need to go get money for a guy that's getting. I mean, he's making a gazillion dollars to start with. Um, you think LSU is a little bit of the same deal you talked about earlier where they just had won a national championship a year ago or two years ago now? Do you think that's a product of it? Maybe, yeah. You know what also it could be a product of is, you know, LSU is a place that, again, not like the A&Ms in Texas is where they have 100 plus they got a few million, dollar, million dollar type donors. LSU might have 15 or 20. Um, right. In those people had to pay $17 million to buy out Ed Orgeron, had to pay or had to get funds together to pay Brian Kelly and his new staff. Kim Mulkey is the highest, I think, makes the most money of any women's basketball coach in the nation outside of Gino Ariema. They gave her women's basketball. They gave her a, a huge contract. They hired a new basketball coach because of dismissing Will Wade 
New baseball coach. They just, yeah, they hired a new baseball coach and they just renovated the football facility. I mean, that's a lot of money. All this stuff, this stuff piles up. I mean, it's a lot of money. And so I wonder if they went to them, went to boosters, whatever, and said, wait, we got to give more money? Like, we got to give more money and it's going to who? Wait, the players. Hold on. Wait a right. second. You know, and I think that's part in a lot of places. That's part of what happened. Yep. That's why I always go back to, you and I have talked about it. I think federal legislation, we look, I mean, the Pac-12 of all people, I think I saw this the other day, and it had maybe in you retweet or something I saw the other day, is Pac-12 got 19, was it $20 million, $19, $20 million back from, from you know, mm-hmm. to divide amongst the conference. Why don't they take, that money you're getting every year, I think they could take that money and and put some kind of employment contract for student athletes to do that um, and then let them get whatever they want to on top and do away with the stuff. But that makes too much sense But because they don't want to give away their money either. That's what it's killing me. I was like, well, I mean, it is what it is. But all right, what is the craziest NIL story you've heard? Anything crazy? Well, I mentioned it earlier, right? Some things with Lane told me about how kids haven't uh, – talk to the head coach and sign with the team or haven't visited the campus and sign with the team because of, you know, they were basically the highest bidder, the highest NIL bidder. So those things are wild. Um, I think of a specific like story in a, I wrote about it in that, in that story a few weeks ago, but there was two SEC, two SEC Western division teams. Um, and one team had an in-state prospect, a five-star in-state prospect committed for months. And the other SEC West team came in and offered more NIL money, plain and simple. And the kid went back to his in-state team that he had been committed to and said, "Okay, like you got to give me, you got to give me more money." And uh, they they didn't or they couldn't, and that was that. Kid went to uh, the team that offered more money and and went out of state. Um, you know you so narrowed that, that down to like two schools, right, by doing that? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway. It's either so, Auburn, uh, Alabama, or it's Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And I know. No, 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 no. It was SEC out of state. West? It, was, it was an out of state. Oh, well, out of state. Okay. Yeah, well, okay, it ahead, was. It, there was an out of state SC West team that, yeah, came into the in-state SEC West team. Okay. All right. Um, but, but uh, you know, another story, and it wasn't, it didn't get as specific with me. Um, on like what even what conference it was, but I assume it was the SEC based on the story. But um, is that one kid was promised a, a, like a five hundred thousand dollar deal, not a year, but it was a full deal. Totally. It was for about five hundred thousand dollars nil nil deal. And the another team came in and said, "We'll give you six hundred thousand. And not only that, but you can fly. You can your family can fly privately to all home games. That was it. Done and and went back. So uh, went back and went to the school that's going to fly his family and give him a hundred thousand dollars more. So those things are happening. That's a pretty uh, good now, deal. Are they though. happening no. at all one hundred and thirty FBS schools? No. Are they happening at all Power Five? No. But they're happening in the top ten to fifteen to twenty, and a lot of those reside in one conference. That's a pretty good a deal. You know that? It's a good deal. Seems like a great deal. It's a great yeah. deal. Nicholas like Ayer should get involved in some of that. We got Nicholas Ayer here in Oxford. They should get involved in some of that <laughs> stuff, right? I mean, just bring yeah. them back. Yeah, yeah, they should get involved. Yeah, that. That'd be good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, so I'm with you. The only thing I've heard, uh, and it's not crazy, but 
the thing that's killing me is like what's going on now, which is going to bring me uh, our good friend Jordan Addison decides he he's gonna he's gonna commit to to USC, which he was a little guilty of this as well. But these these prospects are taking visits, and you're gonna see a ton of this starting about right now, going to uh, through you know June and everything else. They're taking visits to other schools to up their NIL price. Yeah, yeah, to force and, their hand. Uh, That's going I'll, on. I'll mention it again. Um, this is a great, a great quote from Lane Kiffin about this exact thing. Um, in in the Q and A I did with him. Uh, happened, happened to Ole Miss. Got it happened to Ole Miss. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to read it word for word because it's it's uh, it's great. But Lane was talking about um, a quarterback. Every yeah. Every well, he was talking about every year. Um, why? Okay, he was comparing it to the NFL. And if, if NFL players didn't have a contract, if they weren't bound to a team every year, would an NFL player not like be in the free agency pool and, and not be recruited by other NFL teams and not wanting to drive his cost up? Of, of course they would, yeah. right? And he said he can, he can see this happening more and more. And now I've finally gotten to it. So he said, he said, let's be realistic. In pro sports, if you are the agent of a player and the player can opt in a free agency every year and come back to where their previous you know, school was or team after testing the waters and driving the price up, why would you not do that? Right. And he said, why did Bryce Young not go into the portal this year? If you're advising Bryce Young, why did you not tell him to go into the portal and then walk into Nick Saban's office and say, hey, I want to be here, but I've got to protect myself. So I'm going into the portal, and I want to come back here as long as you match the offer. And Lane said that on the record to me, and and I think he he thinks that that will happen more and more, and that's already happening. It's just not getting probably a lot of public attention, but it's certainly already happening. One hundred percent, kids are going to get smarter, um, and one hundred percent do that. And I think that's what we have here with the little Jordan Addison case. And look, I don't hate the players for this either. Like, look at Jordan Addison. This was, this was, we were discussing this in our meeting this morning. Do you know, this is a fact, Jordan Addison is going to get paid more this year than George Pickens is going to get playing for the Steelers. <laughs> I, want you, I want you to think about that. I mean, does anybody yeah. else see, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, he is a good player, okay? And he's probably going to be a first-round pick because he's going to get plenty of touches. But he's not like a slam-dunk top-five kind of pick. He, right. he is, he's, he's going to get – probably overdrafted because of his production. But if you if you had right now, if George Pickens is 100% healthy and Jordan Addison is 100% healthy, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, it's – Who are you taking? It's, yeah, it's it's not it's that hard of a decision. Um, All right, who are you taking? Pickens. Okay, so we got a guy Pickens, that's huh? going to play college football right. at USC that's going to get paid mm-hmm. more money than George Pickens is going to get p- paid to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. That's yep. insane to me. Yeah. Yep. And this has it, been, we're yeah. not even a year into this deal, Ross. I know. Like, I know. What are we going to be doing, talking about a year from now? Well, right. And the prices are just going to keep on, They're like, keep going, going, up. going up and up. And I was talking to a recruiting director um, at a SEC school, and uh, I said, uh, and I anonymously quoted him in that story a few weeks ago, but it's like, okay, so what, what has changed from the previous you know, cheating that happened in the SEC for years now? What has changed now? What is how has NAL changed? And he he said, well, 
when a kid would come to us and say, hey, we're getting, you know, you know, in the past, 50,000, 75,000 from this school, usually be like, ah, that sounds like bullshit or, well, I don't know if that's really true or now. Yeah, you knew who was paying it and who didn't. I can, right. I can and say now that. it's like, oh, not only is he getting fifty, seventy-five thousand, he's getting a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever. You know, it the price has gone up, and it sounds like more people are doing it. So um, it, that that has been seems like the big change in what NIL has done is drive up the price of what was once the legal payments, and having more more schools get involved in doing that. Um, so the market continues to rise. I mean, what about the, you know, Ruiz's guy, the Miami basketball player, $400,000 a year for a college basketball player who is good, but I mean, like, what are we doing? You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never watched the guy play, so I couldn't tell you if he's good or not. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just wild. And then, you know, again, the return on investment, and I was on the phone with Ruiz for that story a few weeks ago, and it's like, are you seeing a return on investment? And in his his he his response was the return on the investment. And you'll remember he tweeted right the announcement of that Kansas Correct. State basketball transfer coming, and he tweeted the deal too, the the details of the deal in the same tweet, um, announcing he's transferring. Well, that he, he when I asked about a return on investment, he used that tweet. He said. It had it immediately made five million impressions, uh, which means it reached five million people. And he said, "There you go. There's my return on investment." That's what he said. Uh, he's not lying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the guy's intelligent and smart, and like I said, I don't, I, I like what he's doing. And uh, which probably leads me to my next question because I probably know the answer to this one. What what team do you think's been dormant that because the NIL is supposed to come back to life? That's been dormant. That's about to yeah, like break out. Well. Yeah, we, we that remember I mentioned the collective rankings, right? The little top eight of the top ten collectives. Um, yeah, but some of them are better are, than others. Who, who, but ten, with the yeah. talent they're collecting, who, in your opinion, you're gonna go? That's gonna I mean, get it's back hard to not to say A and M, right? It's hard not to say like like A and M. I mean, they they just signed the best class ever uh, on paper. Yeah, been, you know, people, somebody was giving them hell. I saw a tweet. Somebody was giving them hell that they just now started signing all these guys. They've been recruiting well for a while. Now. They have. They've been like, recruiting I don't know well. where that yeah. stat or yeah. wherever that came from. Like this, and they yeah. made it sound like A&M hasn't been recruiting well. Then all of a sudden they have. That, right. That's not accurate. No, They've been right. recruiting well for a long time. They just yeah. got better. So they were have you, already are you talking about, team. you're talking about a team that, okay. You're talking about maybe, you know, not an elite team, not in the blue like blood. Tennessee. Yeah, uh, right. Tennessee uh, would be Miami. the one. So I was, I was thinking Tennessee or Nebraska or maybe Miami, Nebraska. Right? Yeah, yeah. Those teams, like you could see those teams, partly because of NIL, right, kind of rising back up. Like I said, they have the passionate, uh, desperate kind of donors um, and fans who who want to see come the team come back, you know, um, or want to see the team going to get into that blue blood group. So those those teams strike me, you know, as um, I don't know that people would put Tennessee in in the the group of elite top ten college football blue bloods. They're probably right outside the group, and I think they would probably emerge the way they're doing in IL. They would probably get into that group, you know. And Miami might be 
another one. Uh, you know, people might put them in the blue blood group, but they haven't won consistently for a yeah, long I time. And yeah, Nebraska but... is the same way, 25 years. And, you know, so they, mm-hmm. I could see them as well. And let's not forget, and it's, it's been only 10 years for this team, but, um, you know, USC, I mean, as well, right. They're, they're, I think they're probably coming back and using the NIL very well. As you mentioned, they just got Addison. So I, I think they're using it, uh, better than others i heard it was 3.2 that was what i got you know i don't know what to believe with some of these numbers um i i yeah i mean like and that's the one i that's the one lately i immediately kind of questioned like because uh, it's not a quarterback yeah it's like what 3.2 and i'll tell you i was talking to a coach who i think would know because he was in the running and he said it was more like eight hundred thousand, which Struck me as really what? Wow, I know because those two things are not close, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, what are you doing at 800,000? So, I some of these things I really, I, I just I've really questioned some of the, the numbers that are coming out. Um, maybe that's what we should shot. do. Maybe that should help. Maybe that's something we can do to help NILs make all the contracts public. Well, that would that would help in, in, in the transparent offering transparency. transparency will bring the, and I, Ross we'll, we'll Bjork asked the, about that last week. You know, they they cited the the privacy law, right? Uh, like you normally would. Like the college athletics has cited for a while. Uh, that's why private I always information. Say, that's why I always come back. It's going to take something federal. Look, you to make a compromise to make things work. People are going to have to give up on things. You can't have everything. And it's just yeah. like the players. I, and I'm for you. Look, I am for you getting paid. I don't make any like any confusion about that. But you can't have everything. No organization on the planet, you can't get everything. You yeah. have there has to be a compromise. You have to give some schools the power. You have to there has to be a compromise. So somebody's gonna have to give up something. Okay, you can't have just damn everything. You I mean nothing and it's just that's the only way it's gonna work. And yep. and so somebody somewhere, there has that's why I always say there has to be a federal law. There's gonna have to be things given up that hey, you can't can't let that back in the tube. Well, something's gonna have to go back in the tube. It don't mm-hmm. not everything, but to compromise, something's going to have to go back in. You're not just going to be able to out here just damn run free ass rain. And anybody that thinks you can't, that's the other thing that bothers me. Anybody that thinks that you're just going to be able to continue to do this shit and everything's going to be hunky dory, you've lost your fucking mind. Yeah. You have. Excuse my language. My mom's going to be so pissed. All right, but you've lost your mind that you're just going to be able to keep doing this and everything's going to be hunky dory. All of my boosters are going to keep giving me ten million dollars a year. That is not going to happen. Like right. something's got to give. You can't do this forever. And well, whatever. And I think Lane, one of the things Lane said to me was, um, if if it is going to persist and continue like this, well, number one, you'll have the giving stop to the athletic department in the facility. There'll be a pause Facts. on facilities for sure. Facts. You know, and you were already seeing that. We're already seeing Correct. kind of a pause on on facilities. Um, number two, you'll have if like. Ruiz is probably a good example. Big, big boosters, like basically individually, not collective, but individually bankrolling kind of a team, so to speak. You'll have Owners. them influential, like Owners. a team owner. And it, and Lane has um, quite a perspective on on yes, a team does. owner calling him up and saying <laughs> yes, you should does. play this guy more and then getting fired. Yeah. Uh, yes. So he he uh, over and uh, on an overhead projector, as he told me. Uh, so yeah, you you'll uh, awesome you'll have that. Be. You'll have those two things if it continues. You'll have team owner type influence in playing decisions, and you'll have um, boosters 
start to you know stop giving money to athletic departments and what happens when boosters stop giving money to athletic departments one as we talked about facility stops but you know what else is impacted olympic sports olympic sports is impacted and that's where it comes in uh where the non-revenue sports that lose two three four million dollars a year to rely on donor contributions to go a lot of that to those sports they're going to be impacted Outside of the top 15 schools in the nation, schools break even or lose money, or athletic departments break even or lose money. And that's what a lot of lawmakers don't understand up here in D.C. is, man, like outside of the top 15 to 20, they break even or lose money. And when you pull money from an athletic department and give more resources to football, give more donations to football, it is going to impact the non-revenue. All right, let's talk about that. Let's get off NIL. I know we. it's like a damn saga. I know you're probably tired of talking about it, too. Are you ready to start covering something else, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah, I I am. I am. I was writing about SEC uh, football schedules, and I'm like, ooh, this is fun. I'm doing something that's <laughs> yeah, not, not having to talk to lawyers. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Anything. All right, let's talk about the scholarship numbers expanding in uh, equivalency sports. So we've talked about it a couple of weeks ago now with, ba- you know, baseball – it's 11.7, maybe going up to 35, things like that. How do you see that turning out? Um, yeah. What happens I, to uh, a Southern, what happens to Southern Miss? What happens to Monroe? Yeah. What happens to like Southern Miss? Like they're going, they're a elite baseball team. Right. Are they going to be able to continue to be an elite baseball team? It depends on their conference, right? All these decisions now, this is part of the Alston ruling, all the decisions from the NCAA that normally was made from by all the you know committees made up of Division One leaders at 350 schools that aren't homogenous at all. They're all very different, have different financial backings. The decisions on scholarships and restrictions and stuff and limitations and all this were made by committees of all those groups of 350 colleges and schools. And they're made in a in a vein to try to get competitive equity, to try to arrive at competitive equity. And it's just failing. And the big schools basically with the money are have been handcuffed and they want more power. And the Alston ruling means that the NCAA does, needs to have less power. So all these decisions are coming down to the conference level. So the conferences will decide how much partial scholarship uh, will they give? How much scholarships will they give? And, and how many coaches can be on a coaching staff? Um, and they still have, have this thing those. called Title IX that's, that's not going They do. Away. They still – and Title IX will be the regulator. That's going to be – you give 10 more scholarships for baseball, you got to give 10 more scholarships to a women's sport as well. So that will actually be – that will give it regulation in some way. But it's going to be interesting to see what different conferences do because conferences – you know, the SEC is very different from the MAC. The MAC, very different from – um, the West Coast. Uh, well, you have some conference. teams too. There's going to be a ton of sports being added, okay? Because you you got some some schools. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you looked into this. I haven't, but I I think Ole Miss is like at the minimum sport that you can do. Sixteen, so if you, I think, is the minimum. Well, I can guarantee you, across the street, in baseball field, they're they're going to add. They're going to get to 35 scholarships, okay? Mm-hmm. So when they do that, they're going to have to add a female sport. They'll so, have to add, or they'll have to just add scholarships to like women's track or right. Softball. But you remember, football That's takes whatever. up eighty-five of them already. So when it you does. add those, because right. the right. female sports that are equivalents or whatever that don't get fulls, they're already getting more anyway. So when you yeah. you start maxing those guys out, mm-hmm. you're going to have to create another sport. Right. 
There's yeah, no other way it, it might be that, that that might be the case. You're right. That, there's that, gonna be that women's. Gym, there's gonna be a gymnastics team and a bowling mm-hmm. team and a swimming team coming soon. I, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, by the way, my wife can be the gymnastics coach. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, but no, just all kidding aside, you're, you're gonna have these. And then how does you know? You know, there's gonna be some schools that have been that are gonna say, "Hey, no, we're just gonna keep doing 11.7 or whatever it is," and then you're oh, yeah. going to screw your whole league. You're going to basically take the competitive edge around. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, well, we, we've taken a simple sport and a simple organization and in the process of like 10 months, screwed it up amongst all oblivion without having a plan. Well, and that's, that's what's going to just create widen the gap already. Right. We've seen the gaps widen between in division one. We know that there are gaps between FCS in the non-football playing schools we see the gap between FBS and FCS. We see the gap between Power Five and Group of Five. Now what we're seeing is the gap between within the Power Five. Yep. And there is a, probably a top 10, 20 or so. And then there's kind of everybody else. And you're going to see that gap probably widen because of NIL, but also because of these concepts from the Transformation Committee we're talking about. It's just going to widen the gap because you're going to have – because the conferences can't collude and get together and set on a specific scholarship, whatever limitation. They can't collude. Um, they'll be sued. So they got to do it on their own. And you're going to see the SEC, which has a lot more money than the Pac-12 and, and pours more money into resource baseball and stuff like that. Maybe go 25 baseball scholarships. Maybe the Pac-12 says we're only going to 16. You know, And it's just going to widen the gap in recruiting and widen the gap between all this. So we're look, the end of the road here is we're headed towards some kind of professionalized model of of college football, you know, that is is gonna have maybe collective bargaining and revenue sharing and whatever else, and is gonna include, you know, twenty teams, forty teams, sixty teams, whatever. But it's not gonna be that many as we have now. I agree. It's gonna be NFL Junior. The USFL yeah. is in trouble. <laughs> All right, last thing, I want to finish up on this. Uh, you've been so generous for your time, but something that kind of came because of the NIL and all the Jimbo stuff and the Nick stuff kind of got overshadowed, but the eliminating elimination of the, not the NILs, but the NLIs, mm-hmm. elimination of the 25 uh, initials that each school gets each year and just saying, hey, we're going straight to 85 scholarships. you got to maintain 85 scholarships. Um, and it's kind of funny to me, you're going to have now you're, you're going to have, you know, in, in NIL, you got the people who don't have money are, are bitching about the people who do have money. And so now in this. So now you're going to flip this script on this on this rule. You're going to have schools that love the portal. They're going to love the 85 people that have been doing it the traditional way and building from up within. Say, hey, that's bull crap. You know, we've been doing it the right way. So it's just what, what's your pros and cons? What's your gut? What's your feeling this on going just to eighty five? Well, yeah, you, I, um, I think. Well, I guess first, you know, why we're why they're doing this, and it's because, um, you know, the eighty five, the twenty five was put in, uh, to, uh, kind of restrain, as you know, the the um. Uh, blue shirts, cutting of players shirts, basically yeah. and all the blue yeah blue shirt gray shirt stuff as well right cutting out over signing basically um and, it, it, and you could do that you could do 25 25 25 25 that's 100 scholarships and that gives you wiggle room of 15 to get to the to stay at the 85 
but that was five years before. One twenty-five, and that's true. And that, here's the yeah. thing: the public needs yeah. to understand. You got five years of eligibility, so it's, you're looking at 125 kids to stay 85. That's hard enough to begin with, right? Okay, right. but there's true. an art to it. It's not you can't. Right. You had to take guys that you knew are what we call program guys, guys that are going to be there, be there, and so right. to keep your roster numbers up. But go ahead, right? Right, you got to have a good mixture of those, right? Um, and but just what's happened is that 85 and that 25 and all that, the 25 specifically wasn't taking into account account the attrition, the high rate of attrition that we see now in teams because of two things, the NFL, leaving early for the NFL more than ever, right? And then mainly transfers, right? The one-time transfer exception. Because just, they count as two initials. So much. Right, yeah, right, right. The so, same kid was so, counting twice. Yeah, and so you have teams that are trying to, that are having difficulty getting back to the 85, getting to the 85. Heck, some of these teams can't get to the 75. They're having trouble getting the 75 because they're losing, you know, say you said, you know, I, I was talking to a coach and he, he signed 22 at the class in the, in the signing period. He left three thinking he'll get transfers over the summer. Then he had like six players leave after spring practice. Well, that's, he's going to be down three then do the math. He's going to be down three. And that's been happening over the years where, 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 where teams can't get back to 80, 85 or so. So that's why we're here. So it's going to be good, you know. Coaches can now catch up in a way, especially first year, early year, second year coaches that kind of took out, took over a team that's kind of in mayhem, and a lot of people have left um, down numbers, like Kansas, for instance. I think they're like at seventy or something. So it's going to help teams kind of catch up back to the eighty-five, or at least get them into the high seventies, eighty. Um, so it's going to do that. But as you mentioned, right, it's it's going to also probably lead to the cutting of, of players, the pushing out the door, the nudging out the door of players. So already they're going to the transfer portal on their own, and now they might be nudged into the transfer portal for better players that a team could sign from the transfer portal. So you're you're going to have that. Um, I'm certain you're going to have that, and that's a fear among a lot of coaches. There's fear among the 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 group of five coaches that the mid to lower power five or coming down to pluck their players out uh, after maybe pushing off, you know, their own players. Then you have the mid to low power five coaches that are scared about the upper power five coaches coming down to them and picking, you know, it's like this farm system. And and we already see it happening when you can, when you can push out a player, it's going to happen more. Pete. I'm so – I think this is one of the – and they, they did say they did it for, you know, a two-year period or whatever they said for them. And maybe – look, I don't want to give the NCAA that much credit and think they're that smart. You know, maybe they're trying to fix, okay, look, we're going to give you two years to get your roster right, and then we're going to put in these stipulations. Maybe they're going to do that. I don't know. I'm not – that's what they should do. This is going to be a freaking disaster, okay? <laughs> I mean, this is going to create – and I understand it, okay? Everybody's like, well – you know, it's a safety issue. Time out. This is not a this is not a transfer portal problem. This is an immediate eligibility out of the portal problem. Yeah. The transfer right. portal is not a bad idea. Yeah. The transfer portal basically just for the fans that know, but when the transfer portal came out in October of 18, the whole you, you still were technically you had to sit out a year. And the reason the portal was put in place was to keep schools from going, 
okay, you can transfer here, 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 and here, but you can't transfer here. Schools used to be able right. to do that. They would put a restriction where you could not transfer somewhere. All right, so that portal did away with that. It also did away with the fact that they could go to somebody else, a third party, and say that they wanted to leave. They didn't have to go through the coach, um, which I'm okay with. But kids make emotional decisions. They need to talk about it. Because I personally, if a kid didn't want to play for me, I don't want you here. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. And most yeah. coaches are like that. Um, but I also don't want you, you know, because you don't, you know, you had the heart. You The kids, they don't fight through adversity anymore. They get a problem, they're gone. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But here's the problem this is going to create. One, you just said it, which was Todd Berry's already brought this up. Now kids are going to get cut on ability because they have no penalty for cutting kids. So if you stink, you're getting cut. And when you get cut, now I'm going to go, what if I took a portal kid that stinks? You know what I'm fixing to do? Mm -hmm. I'm fixing to cut you. Well, now mm -hmm. I've just lost my one-time transfer. And now you get put in the portal. So now the kids are going to call foul and they're going to start suing. Here come the lawsuits. All right? Yep. I, it blows my mind. We're sitting here scared to death of lawsuits and you just created one. That's going to happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen in January or December when a kid gets cut. You watch. It's going to happen. This year it will happen. And but they don't yep. have enough foresight to see that. That bothers Unlimited me. time transfer. Yeah, that's what it's going to lead to, too. Yeah, it's going, that's, that's what, what you're that's exactly what, right. That's what it's going to come to because to. the NCAA, a kid's going to logger up and they're going to be like, oh, I don't want any part of that. Go ahead and go. Go ahead and go. And now there's going to be precedent than every kid here. It's just going to be a snowball effect. All yep. right. That's problem one. Problem two is this, is nobody has yet to answer this. All right, if you're a college coach, Ross, and you have to win this year, and you got 27 scholarships and with no penalty, who are you going to get in your 27 scholarships? Yeah, you you got to win this year. You're going to go to that portal and get as many experienced people you can put right on the field as that soon as correct. you can, you know. Or you're going to play – or you're going to – you know, you're going to um, – recruit them off of each other's teams how the there great example of this right would would be like um say you know brian harson at auburn right we know that he seems to be not in a comfortable position um so why would he not just go to the best group of five or lower level power five players and try to get them and sign 15 or 20 of them and amass this this team of of Somewhat all stars, you know. Let's say you I mean, think the yeah. tampering that was that was problem too. You think the tampering is yeah. bad now? Yeah. You just yeah. created tampering on steroids. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's the key? Yep. Why wouldn't I'm with you? Why wouldn't you go and just basically every single team? All right, we're playing. Who does Auburn play? Let's see who, who Auburn plays. You did their schedule. You remember who Auburn plays early in the season non-conference? Uh. Dang it! No, I don't. I don't. Uh... I don't remember. All right, here um, we go. Who they have. Well, that's not the right one. I pulled up Vivid Seats. <laughs> all right, so let's say they play – all right, they play San Jose State and Mercer. All right, San Jose State's got a kick-ass tight end. All right, he just he just goes about 110 on your team. You win the game, walk across the field and say, hey, look, when the season's mm -hmm. over with, holler at me, I got a spot for you. Mm -hmm. That's yep. going to happen. I know that already happens, mm -hmm. by the way, but that's really going to happen now. Yeah, um, you're creating tampering, and, and why wouldn't you? So that that screws the group of five schools. Okay, so they're going to get rated even more than normal. But here's the question that nobody's answered for me yet, Ross: What happens when those portal guys run out? Because there's no high school players coming. There's no they're 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 not as many high school kids getting signed. What happens when the when the supply runs out? Yeah, well, um, 
that's the problem, right? That's a real concern. You know, um, high school coaches I know are in a situation where they're they're concerned about the adverse impact on um, high school recruitment. And I know that, you know, some of the like the expansion of the twenty five, the elimination of it, was supposed to be partly to help maybe high school like recruiting. Uh, that was one of the in- incentives. And it but, did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, um, I, I think there is real concern about, about what's going to happen to high school recruiting. And there's real concern about players quickly going into the portal and kind of getting stuck there. And it's happened quite a bit. And I think the NC just released a lot of numbers about port with portal data and, and, uh, uh, you know, one of them really struck me. It was, it was something like a third or I can't remember what the number was, maybe around a third scholarship players who went in the portal came out of the portal to a new team as a walk on. You know, they they didn't have any scholarship spots. So now this, this will man, open up spots I, probably in a way. But I think um, I've gotten three so. to what you're saying. I, I think I've probably got three um, DMs on mm-hmm. You know, Twitter of a kid I recruited that I was still following or whatever many years ago uh, from three different kids that are in the portal from their school and have nowhere to go. I got one, there's one kid that's like six hours short of graduation, and the other school, once you go in the portal, they're done with you. He has no way to pay for it, so he's just gonna have to go get a job to go finish his six hours so he can graduate and be a normal. I mean, he's six hours short of graduation. It's sad. Nobody wants to talk about that. And I just, it just really is probably the most disturbing thing is of all this, and I know I've taken up plenty of your time, is just how we've, we keep adjusting rules and we keep doing things that are taking us further and further away from a good solution than instead of making rules that are bringing us closer to something that's acceptable. You know, instead of compromising and coming to some kind of solution that will work, we keep making rules and doing things that are taking us further and further away from it. Does that make sense? I mean, we just... It does. And it's partly because, and I, I've described this in the story, like college sports, specifically college football, is just kind of stuck in purgatory. Uh, it's like stuck into this this purgatory between amateurism on one side and professionalism on the other. And they're like in this middle and they're being pulled by professionalism it seems like it pulled further away from amateurism and they don't want to take that full leap and i understand why they don't want to take the full leap into professionalism but it's getting there like incrementally it's going to get there um and like we talked about earlier and because it it won't take the full leap you have all these little legislative issues being passed and these new rules and stuff to try to kind of like open the door a little bit to like a professional model, but not too much, you know, and that's where it is. That's the problem. And there's a whole nother problem here. We get into like big money, college football and college basketball being a part of the higher education system is just, it's, it's never going to work. It's, it's not, it's not going to work. It's in, and I think we're seeing that tension there as well. And no doubt. Ross, I appreciate the hell out of you, brother. I've taken up a ton of your time this morning. Uh, on Twitter, make sure you follow Ross at Ross Dellinger on Twitter. And like I said, if you if you're a college football fan at all, check out his stuff. He he is, uh, in my opinion, and of course, that'll buy you a cup of coffee next time you come through Anniston, Alabama. But 
uh, the best college football writer there is out there right now. Um, just tells it like it is, keeps things on the real, um, and really appreciate you for what you're doing for the business and, and keep fighting the good fight, brother. You're up there in D.C. Maybe we can get you. Maybe we can get you getting some laws passed up there, man. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, they'll listen to me. I, I've sat into enough Senate hearings to uh, to not want to sit through anymore. So um, didn't get into that. Didn't didn't uh, didn't get into sports sports writing to uh, to sit in, inside of a, a you know damp cold you know Senate meeting room. But. <laughs> But I find myself in them a lot. But thanks for having me, man. It was, it was good, good to, uh, good to be on. You bet, brother. Are you having a hard time finding the vehicle you want? Make sure you call my friends at Cooper Chevrolet Buick in Anniston, Alabama, at two five six two three six four four eight one. They will get you taken care of in today's market. It's very difficult to get the vehicle that you want. Call them today. They're going to get you set up, get it delivered to you, the whole nine yards. Call my friends at Cooper Chevrolet at 256-236-4481. I want to thank Ross for stopping by. He was just a uh, great guest. I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, probably one of my favorite ones I've had so far. Um, the guy that really gets it and talks to a ton of people in the business. Uh, so make sure you check him out, too. Just a great read. Um, if you like, enjoy sports articles, uh, he is kind of the, the man to be listened to right now when it comes to NIL and NCAA rule changes. Hey, make sure you follow us on Home Visit Siski on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, or our YouTube page. Follow us there. And more importantly, tell your friends, okay? Make sure you tell your friends a good college football listen. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the season, which I can't wait for. Uh, I know you guys can't either. Make sure you subscribe. Give us our three-star review because you love it so much. And until next time, take care. Thank you.